when I think about Chicago, I think about deep dish pizza because I'm just such a tacky tourist like that. But after watching this, now I'll think about the gunsmith cats. Hey everyone, and welcome to Aging Otaku, the retro anime podcast. I'm Jorge, and I'm here with Eric. How are you doing, Eric? Not too bad, dude. How are you? Uh, not bad, not bad. Um, and before we uh, we get on with our episode, I just want to make sure that you know you can follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at, at Aging Otaku, so you can see us post a bunch of anime memes and shit posts, and also just keep tabs on what we're going to be uh, recording in the future and what shows we're going to be reviewing. Um, yeah, uh, Eric, how uh, how has your uh, week so far been? Have you been doing anything, seeing anything? Um, well, it's been a it's been my my birthday weekend. I'm now a 34 year old man. Um, yeah, and so I've been pretty much not watching a lot of stuff because um, I've been kind of just eating like garbage and drinking like garbage as well. But um, one thing that has been on my radar is a. Uh, it's a series of YouTube shorts called uh, Astartes, which is a it's a computer generated film series made by one single person, uh, taking place in the Warhammer Forty Thousand universe, and uh, each segment of these YouTube videos is probably about ninety seconds long, and I think there's like 10, 10 parts, so you can finish the whole series in like sixteen minutes, and um, and in the the show notes I'll put like a an edited together version of the whole thing but it's pretty much just uh focusing on this strike team of like space marines and um it's just it's it's just really really well done in terms of action and scope and it's just crazy that it's a a one man project essentially and uh that's just kind of led me to get sucked into the Warhammer 40,000 lore. So any spare moment I had to myself this weekend, I've been just watching people talk about various aspects of the, the War, Warhammer 40,000 universe and uh, and just how much of a flaming pile of shit like humanity has become. So that's, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to get into the series or the games, but this, the lore is just fantastic. So, so you're saying that there's room for humanity to be even more of a, of a piece of shit in, in the distant oh. future. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Like, uh, you wouldn't think so looking outside of your house, but <laughs> I, I mean, you, even if you've hit the bottom of the barrel, Warhammer 40,000 essentially hands you a shovel and you start digging. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah what about I, you? I've, well, I've, I've always, um, you know, just to, just to touch on that a little, like I've, I've, Warhammer 40,000 has always seemed like something I could totally get into, but like it's been, it's a little like intimidating. Just it, it seems like there's a lot of lore to get through and a lot of factions and characters and all of that. So, yeah. um, might have to, might have to check that out. It's, yeah, it's dense, man. Like, I, I think most of the, the videos I'll watch on just like one specific subject is a guy pretty much giving the cliff notes, and the video is still like an hour and a half long. So, wow. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty deep. I'm a huge like tabletop nerd as well, but forty thousand always just seemed like it was sort of impenetrable in terms of the just the the scope of like how many figures you'd have to buy and all the stuff you'd have to learn. So I never really gave it a chance, but I mean I got a lot more time on my hands now, so who knows? We'll see. Yeah. 
good good time to discover a new hobby. Maybe you'll be uh, painting some miniatures in uh, in no time. Oh God, I really hope not. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. What have you been getting into? Um, so I've I've had a kind of a long week. I was, I was getting um, floors installed in my house and just kind of playing Tetris with everything I own and and whatnot and working out of my bedroom and all that. So it's just been kind of a an odd week. But um, unfortunately, I um, during all this and during getting all my TV and like consoles and stuff in my bedroom for this week, I um, I had kind of a freak accident with my Nintendo Switch and oh no I. I knocked it down in the dock onto uh-huh. carpet, like really soft, plush, like carpet, like not, not really shouldn't have been much of an impact, but the angle that it landed at was just kind of like such a specific angle that one of the Joy-Con uh, sticks broke off. Oh, damn. And I don't even have like Joy-Con drift yet or anything. So <laughs> yeah. these were, these were in pretty good shape. And I, I you know, I know that's a, a really common issue with, uh, with the, joy-con sticks that they they start to drift um so just kind of like broke off but um i ordered a a replacement at um at this website that i i absolutely adore this website um ifixit.com um just you know the letter i and then fix it um in the past i've used them as a reference they they have all their all their manuals and stuff available for free for free on the website but they also sell tools and like replacement kits for like video game console parts or um you know like the specialized screwdrivers you might have to use if you have to like repair a playstation or like a nintendo switch or whatever yeah and um certain parts for like laptops and stuff like that they're really helpful for me when i when i was in college still and like my uh you know like my laptop battery was swelling but i didn't really want to pay for nor could i for like a whole new brand new laptop so i was Mm. able to just replace that part or like add hard drive space without buying the official one things like that so Mm. just a really cool resource and it's just you know they 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 kind of got back in my radar recently they've been around a while like people you know a lot of people might have heard of them but um you know if you haven't and like you run into that situation and you just don't want to pay the full price or pay for like the the company to repair it for you or something or maybe if you don't even know if you can repair and maybe it turns out you can like whatever piece of electronics you have like definitely uh definitely give them a look like you know i've like i said they they kind of just recently like came back into my radar when i was looking this stuff up but um Mm -hmm. they've they've grown a lot it looks like and seem like a really good resource so highly recommend it Nice. Yeah, I, I was actually just on iFixit maybe like a week and a half ago because um, there's there's a, a problem with my, my MacBook's screen. And uh, I guess on iFixit, they'll sell like replacement screens and they'll t- even teach you how to do it. So yeah, no, I think I've, I've even heard of iFixit as well. And a bunch of my friends also use it and they buy the parts and everything. So I'm I'm happy that it's kind of helping you out with your uh, your Switch issues. Yeah, yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm really impressed that they um they branched out to so many things because I I do know the first time I used them it was um they just had like laptop kind of stuff and I would assume maybe mm-hmm. just from the name I'd assume like iPod or like iPhone right kind yeah. of things but they really they're really in like all sorts of uh, gadgets right now so highly recommend if you want to save a, a little bit of money. Nice man. I also am ex- I I just realized that my uh my switch is now giving me the drift so. Yeah. Maybe it's time for me to kind of yeah. I'm, I'm trying to play. My buddy just let me borrow Breath of the Wild because I never gave it a chance, and uh, so playing it. I don't know what it is like. 
I think with Breath of the Wild, I'm experiencing more drift than I've ever had before. Oh. And so, like, I'll just be trying to, like, use my uh, Lynx, you know, tablet to, uh, you know, to scope things out and make waypoints. But because my camera is drifting, uh, I'll essentially just, like, walk off of a cliff <laughs> and die just because I'm just, you know, in first person mode. So, uh, yeah, drift is a it's a big problem. It's the it's the Zelda Lemmings crossover that we didn't uh, didn't know was coming. Oh boy, God, Lemmings. I haven't heard of that name in forever. <laughs> so, today's episode goes over the 1996, I believe, anime Gunsmith Cats. It was a, a three-part OVA series. Uh, we are covering the second episode of the series today. And um, so, Jorge, have you seen anything about Gunsmith Cats before today, or were you aware of it? Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I saw one or maybe all of the the OVA episodes at my, uh, my friend Joe's house when I was younger, um, didn't retain much of it. There were definitely little spots that just kind of triggered a little, uh, familiarity. Definitely the intro, like when, when the, the intro sequence started up, like that song somehow got pulled out of the archives in my mind and I was like humming along to it, but oh, um, cool. not, not one I was like super familiar with or, or rewatched by any means. So it was just, it was kind of in like the deep storage. Yeah. Did you? So you watched it in the '90s, then, or did you yes. watch it like in 2000? Oh, wow, that's yeah. interesting. I don't know many people that have even that that got it that early. Yeah, this w- this would have been like way, way like late. Um, gosh, must have been like '98 or '99, maybe. But yeah, this 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 was um, definitely in the '90s. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, like most animes, uh, this started off as a, a manga. The manga. Pretty much from what my first experience with it was with writing Bean, but um, had you been familiar with the the manga at all? Um, not not familiar with the manga or even writing Bean, and I didn't I didn't even know there was a connection with um, with those two until now. Pretty much, oh. so thought that was pretty cool. Okay, yeah. So um, the manga uh, was written and illustrated by Kenichi Sonoda, and it ran from 1991 to 1997. Uh, the also there was also a sequel series called Gunsmith Cast Cats Burst, which I had never had any exposure to. I I had only discovered it, you know, kind of going over the the material for today's episode. But um, so you have you seen Writing Bean at all? Uh, no, nope, had not okay. had not seen that. Um, maybe just heard of it in passing back mm-hmm. then, but no, yeah, had no clue that there was any that it was. Well, it was kind of like a almost like the sailor V to sailor moon, right? Where it was like a prototype. That is exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very good way of describing it. Yeah. I, I was, I had been into writing bean maybe in the, the mid two thousands. And then once I started watching the retro crush anime channel, uh, I discovered that they had writing bean on there. So I went back and watched it maybe about six months ago and writing bean is great. It's, it's just a very simple, like bounty hunter, story and it's it's much it's very much like this you know very it focuses on a lot on cars guns and just for some reason bean is like a superhuman guy who's just like in impenetrable skin and he is like super strong but they never explain why huh yeah it, it, we should do we should do an episode on it it's it's a pretty it's a good ova 
Yeah, after after uh, watching this one, and you know we're 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 about to get into it, but after watching this, I'd I'd definitely be up for for watching more, um, you know, more work from the same creator or just similar um, similar kind of anime because yeah, it, it's there's I think I think describing it as simple is it doesn't quite do it justice, but it's it's very accurate. Like it's not it's not trying to be more than it is, but what it is is really good. Yeah, it's just a fun, simple time. It, it kind of, especially when we'll get into the uh, the later parts of this episode, this reminds me a lot of like the Fast and the Furious franchise. And uh, it just, it, not in terms of, you know, what they do d- strictly in that sense, but just uh, the fact that it's just mindless fun. Right, right. Yeah. Um, before we get into the episode, though, did you do any kind of research on uh, Kenichi Sonoda at all? Um, no, I didn't. I didn't uh, look look too much more into him is he is he known for anything else that's uh big uh in terms of i think he's done character design work mostly he uh if you'd probably you'd know bubblegum crisis he did the uh the character designs for that i think and yeah right yeah the same the same look for sure um what caught my eye though was that he is a what is it he his family owns a confectionery shop in japan and he, it's been, wow, how do I describe it? It's like, it's a weird sort of, it's called wagashi confections. And they're traditional Japanese confections where they usually have it like Japanese tea ceremonies. And his family's shop has been around since 1582. Whoa. And like, he is like the 19th head of this, like, a pastry shop in Japan. And he created the first new product that their shop carried in uh, 115 years. So, like, that's just how old this, like, this guy's family's shop is. It's very, it, it's just like a weird thing I've never heard of before. Wow. That's, yeah, that's, talk, talk about a multifaceted guy. Wow. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, other than that, I can't think of any of his other big works besides Bubblegum Crisis. I, I don't think that he... I mean, I'm sure he's had a very long and storied career. But just in terms of stuff that might have broken the uh, you know, the barrier from Japan to America, I, I don't think there's been a lot. I do, I do remember seeing something about him being really um, really big into like guns and like collecting a lot of replica guns, which is kind of the, the main form that hobby takes over in Japan. It's all like just replicas um yeah and i could i could definitely see that in in the work you know that that oh totally he the just the detail put into the emphasis and the detail put into the just the machinery in general in in this show um Uh yeah like that that definitely that stood out to me just that that like the detailing and the weaponry and obviously the cars as well like yeah i think i i mean even I I was a kid who grew up around guns a lot because my dad owned a gun store, um, but the, yeah, you could tell like a lot of the guns that are in this. The, it's sort of like a weird, gratuitous like panning shots on all these guns that are all real guns, and you can kind of just tell that it it is very much like a passion of his, um, and cars too, for that matter. I mean, it's like you're right that the, the there's really high detail and focus on the industrial you know facets of these these items like the guns and the cars yeah i thought i thought it was really interesting because in um the the one time i did visit japan like i think 
I think other than oddly enough, Tokyo, and maybe it was just the, the fact of like where I was in Tokyo, but, um, Mm -hmm. there was a, I'd, I'd run into a replica gun store, like within the first day in you know, each other city pretty much. Really? Yeah. So yeah, it's all it was, like like replica airsoft stuff, or I I think so. I never I never went into any of them, um, but I I do believe that's that's what it was like replica like airsoft guns, but they're just based on the real, you know, like actual like firearms. Interesting. Yeah, yeah like I, I I never saw the appeal of that stuff, and it was always like I mean I'm not into guns now, but it's, so it's like, well I I don't know, it's just weird. I I think it's just more afraid of like a police state kind of coming into my house and seeing all these guns. And like, no, no, they're replicas. I swear. I swear. Yeah. I mean, I would, I for one would study the blade personally, but a true o- man of honor for sure. <laughs> so we'll be open this episode where, uh, we kind of see this scene of, uh, just a dock where there's some, uh, there's truck being loaded or, you know, like uh, unloaded rather. And, uh, we see some kind of shady figures opening up, uh, a cargo crate that's filled with lobsters and you know they're all refrigerated and all that but there's also a bunch of guns being smuggled in uh on there and this uh this kind of catches the attention of this uh the security guard fellow that's that's on site he wakes up and this the sheriff security guard yes very uh very american uh <laughs> a lot of american visual language from from the get-go mm-hmm. um and so he he's kind of just like instantly suspicious. He's like, why are you know why are these people here this early doing this stuff? And uh, as he opens the door from his little like room, you know, his little like onsite room, uh, this very tall woman who speaks Russian just uh, catches him off guard and stabs him, and then she kind of just like retrieves the knife. It's like a detachable knife with a separate <laughs> handle. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to get into this, this weapon later. Yeah. Well, Hey, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle is what I say. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, so this is our first introduction to uh, Radinov. Is it Natasha? I, I think it's Natasha. I mean, it's, I believe it's Natasha. Yeah. They, they don't really use her name in this, um, in this episode, but um, yeah, this is, this is our first intro to her kind of, and so, um, you know, after that, she collects some payment from some these dudes and these shady dudes in suits, um, just a a full on briefcase full of heroin, yeah. and they're they're just like openly talking shit about her in, uh, you know, not in Russian, assuming they can't that she can't uh, understand them, and um, they offer her another job, and she accepts and just she's got this huge smile on her face that she's she's just ready to murder again right yeah it turns out she could speak english the whole time the whole but, the whole damn time but i mean look two things about the the shitty guy who is talking very disrespectfully to her one he's right about the stupid knife thing <laughs> uh and two look it, it's 1996 1995 you know the ussr had just failed we were in a cold war with them for 30 years tensions are going to be a little high and you're going to run into some people who maybe don't like Russian people, you know, they, they, they just hadn't gotten over it yet. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's accurate for the time. I think not, not excusing it, but I could see like why they did it. It wasn't, it wasn't right, but there's an explanation. Look, it's not right, but it's okay. <laughs> 
So, so from there we cut to the uh, the opening sequence, um, the the very aptly titled Guns- "Gunsmith Cats" theme by Peter Erskine. Very reminiscent of uh, of the intro sequence in Cowboy Bebop, or although I, you know, this coming out first, you know, right, really, really quite put it that way. Um, to me, it kind of felt like uh, kind of like something you see in like a buddy cop movie that you'd you'd catch in like a lazy Saturday afternoon on some random local channel, you know, like forty eight hours, yeah, <laughs> of that of that ilk for sure. I and- wonder if this this was like influenced the opening for Cowboy Bebop. I mean, it has to, right? Like it looks just like it. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so similar. It, it has to, they, they have to have like a common ancestor somewhere of like uh-huh. spy detective cop movies. Like it just, it feels like something you already know when, when you see it, just like Bebop. Uh, yeah. Totally did. And yeah, just like this fun, like vivid saxophone track. Um, cool. Um, cool use of like halftones to to show kind of like i mean to me i kind of interpret it as like the the manga versions of the characters becoming the anime versions because they'd kind of fill in with full color or um, even just like like giving paying homage to the original source of like yeah this was a manga and now we are making it a an anime and now it's yeah like now it's coming to life as as this anime yeah, it just felt. I mean, it, it feels it feels retro even like within the context of the '90s, and but just like stylish and and cool. And we we see a lot of that uh, Shelby GT that that they drive in later in the episode. And it just like I'm not a car guy, really, mm-hmm. but I can. I mean, I can appreciate the aesthetics of of a lot of cars, and that is like a gorgeous car made even more gorgeous by the way. It's yeah, drawn. yeah. They if you look at the original Shelby GT, like it looks it it's it's accurate, obviously, but like. The, the animators do, like, a weird kind of, like, curving to it, so it looks a lot more bulbous from the from the, the hood and the the roof of the car. And so it's a lot more, I don't know, it looks a lot better for some reason than the, it looks more cartoony, right. but still photorealistic. It's, it's very interesting how they, why they decided to do that instead of just making it one for one with, like, a real Shelby. Yeah, it's definitely, I did, I did, um... I'm not as like intimately familiar with it, but I've, I have, I have seen them before and um, it's, it's not like a one-to-one, but it, it somehow it kind of is too. Like it's more, mm-hmm. it looks more like the Shelby GT than the real Shelby GT because of what they've, how, how well it fits in the art style. Yeah. I guess that, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Like, yeah. They kind of just apply the art style to the, the, the car while still like being like, Hey, we're gonna make sure every detail in this car is accurate to the original. I just, I just know I want to drive it. <laughs> oh, I know, me too. And you know they, they actually recorded like they had to, uh, they had to contract a company in the U.S. to record an actual Shelby GT uh, for this anime. That's amazing. Yeah, wow. I guess they didn't have one in Japan, but yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, they're 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 very uh, they're very small production run, so I mm. I, I imagine, yeah. Yeah. Wow. So after the uh, after the intro, we uh, were treated to this just a shot of the gunsmith cat's uh, storefront 
and um, they uh, we, we hear this answering machine pick up, and which, you know, I know I know this was a long time ago, but that's kind of like the analog version of voicemail for for you younger folks. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. George, pick up. I know you're screening for Allison. And also, don't leave voicemails. Voicemails suck then and now. So, um, so from there we see who was uh, talking and um, who was leaving the voicemail, and um, we're taken to like this uh, ATF, which is the the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Um, interesting kind of choice of like major, you know, major like entity in the in an anime, and. Um, they're in this safe house and they're talking to Jonathan Washington, which is a, a witness from <laughs> like an earlier, an earlier episode, an earlier case, earlier part of this case, I should say. And um, as they're talking to him, he's kind of like fidgeting with this alarm clock and he unplugs a recording device that's in it. And he asks them for help for escaping, basically for getting out and admits to having information that could get him killed even with all the guards that are posted in the safe house. And there's like a ton of guards too. And there's like a little, a little room where they're like monitoring him and, and all that. Um, and so from here, he wants to give rally one of the, you know, one of the two protagonists who wants to give him his Rolex to hand off to his, to his daughter. Um, luckily not the Pulp Fiction way of having <laughs> it up his butt for many years. But um, you see this watch rally. <laughs> this is your father's watch but he um so he kind of like begs her to to take it and uh ends up just ends up giving it to uh, uh mini may on the uh on the way out and uh and they just kind of like leave on this ominous note where he's like you know um it's probably the last time you're gonna see me because it's you know it's they're gonna get me like we're screwed but please get this rolex and 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 uh give it to my daughter um, and so from there, they, the um, rally and May are they're driving away, and uh, May and Rally are discussing the this job, and Rally is a little annoyed that it's not even like a job that'll make them a lot of money or anything. Um, but they move on; they start talking about this like tactical formation that they've been practicing, and uh, just as May starts talking about the part that she's that she's nailed down called the uh the show dance um we see a, a another car like nearly run them off the road from driving the other way and it's radinov again in a in like a mercedes i, I want to say yeah it's, it's a mercedes sc 100 oh. i don't know if that's a real car or not but they they show a lot of shots of that as well yeah, they, they, there there are a lot of close-ups of that of that logo um, for sure. Another another like well-detailed car. It looked it looked legitimate even to my untrained eye. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, they nearly get run off the road, and and Rally is just pissed at her, and they just kind of like s- tells her off, you know, s- swears at her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
meanwhile, back at the at the safe house, the ATF guys they're um, they're repairing the bug that they that they had put on the on the clock in the room, and uh, you know just kind of like bitching about their lot in life in general. Um, and meanwhile, the news comes on, and we see this uh, there's this local politician uh, Ed- Edward Haints who's talking about eradicating drugs and guns. And I believe he's running for mayor of Chicago. I want to say. Yeah. I, yeah. Like mayor or governor. One of those two. Yeah. It's, it's, I, I, I was surprised there, there's little touches where it, it definitely, um, it definitely feels like an outsider's point of view of like what an American political campaign is, but it actually did feel pretty. It's authentic. pretty accurate though. Yeah, I was just yeah. like, "Where's the camera?" Yeah, it was it was very accurate, and I and I appreciate the you know especially for this era, like even all the English on all the signage and stuff. Like it wasn't, it it wouldn't, it didn't sound unnatural. There wasn't any no. of that like weird hokey like bad English that you got in a lot of like. 90s and before 90s anime and i, I was just yeah. like oh this, these they did their homework in a lot of ways yeah i i was looking up doing research for this that they were talking about how how well the localization for this anime went and that's specifically specifically because the the production team of the original did such a good job in like making sure that this was a, an american story essentially that's great and it, and it really um you you really do you do really do see it in this scene and like throughout like it really does feel like it naturally takes place in America, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we see um, we, uh, we 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 learn more about this character as as time goes on, but he's kind of the bad force behind the scenes. Um, A as, crooked politician from Chicago. Who would have guessed? Oh, they'll they'll think of anything. Um. And so as they're um as this is playing in the background and as they're they're just kind of tidying up the the safe house a little, this Mercedes parks outside and it's Radinov, of course. And so she swipes in with uh with someone's like security card or whatever, and we see this log and it shows that it's um someone else's card. Uh it belongs to Bill, who has been working with the gunsmith cats earlier. Uh he's another uh, ATF agent, I believe. Um, and so she, she kind of, um, so she walks in with this security clearance and I mean, this like next sequence, it, it felt a lot like almost like a, uh, like a Hong Kong, like action movie to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you got that vibe too. Very like hard boiled almost. It, um, it gave, it gave me Terminator one vibes where he's going I, through that, that cop, uh, the police station. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. That, yeah, that's another, that's a probably even a more, I would say that's a more apt, um, comparison because yeah she really is just this like unstoppable force walking down this hallway mm-hmm. um just slashes a dude's throat shoots two other dudes in, in the in the security room uh the two others that kind of like run in to see what the noise is she just hits them gets them too um she heads towards the the living room she almost gets well she, she actually does get hit by a shotgun but like she turns around and her her jacket is um bulletproof Mm-hmm. So the it kind of gets all the all the buckshot, and um, she takes that guy out, comes in the living room, and just kind of like hacks her way with that damn retractable knife. No, into... does she <laughs> does she shoot somebody with that knife as well? Like, does it does, it, does the knife double as a gun? Too? Yeah, 
Yeah. So it, um, I, I, I think it's, um, when, when she hacks through the door, she shoots the knife at, uh, at Washington. Right. But does, does it also shoot bullets though? I don't, I don't think I caught that it sh- that it shot any bullets. I think it just shoots the blade and then she can retrieve it. But okay, but you you, you I, might be right. I I didn't. I don't think I caught it. And this might have been in in another one of the other episodes. Yeah, I I just remember. I I don't know. I was very focused on that stupid knife, and I was like, oh, it probably <laughs> shoots bullets too. So I don't I don't know. I'll maybe I'll go back and double check. But I for some reason I felt like it, <laughs> she shot bullets out of it as well. It just does everything. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, she just takes she takes this guy out with her her magic knife, and then um, shortly after, as the the ATF folks are investigating the scene, they uh, they take Bill off the investigation, obviously because his uh, his credentials were used. So, you know, whether it's a concern that he was involved or he was irresponsible enough to get his credentials stolen, he can't be trusted. So they take him off. Right. Yeah. It's it's you you'd think in a and an ATF safe house where they're they're bugging, you know, alarm clocks like a James Bond movie that they would have cameras set up somewhere where they could see everybody. But I guess it's just that one room that that guy was in. So we then move on to see uh, Natasha Radnov's uh, apartment or safe house that she has. And as she's sort of kind of getting comfortable, we see that this jacket that she's wearing is it's so heavy that as she tries to hang it up, it just tears a, a hook right out of the wall. And, uh, you know, she doesn't seem to care. But, it yeah, it, it's just interesting how fast she moves despite maybe wearing this jacket that's probably like 30, 40 pounds. Um, she starts doing some research on Rally and Minnie because we find out that that's, those are her next two targets. And she's surprised to see such a skilled woman in America. And that's in reference to Rally because we see... In, in one of the other episodes, like Rally is sort of a an Olympic level marksman and she's got, you know, hand to hand combat training. And so Natasha, who is a, a former Spetsnaz, is sort of, you know, con, you know, seeing a part of herself and I guess in a in Rally. See, I just I, I appreciate that context because I just took it as a little bit more of that like Cold War beef. I mean, yeah, probably that too. <laughs> Okay, let, let, let me just take a, a brief detour. So, Radanov gets paid. She prefers to get paid in heroin. That really good China white. Um, why is that easier for her to get paid there in in to get paid in the U.S. in heroin, and then to fly it to Russia to sell for money? <laughs> right, like, like like logistically, it just seems like a pain in the ass. But maybe she just. She just knows the right people or the right, the right ways or. I mean, I guess, but it's like, what's the conversion rate? I mean, is it that high (laughs) to be like, I'm going to go and now smuggle this, you know, 10 pounds of heroin into Russia. I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Maybe she's just going to throw it from Sarah Palin's backyard into Russia. (laughs) Yeah. Retrieve it later. Throw it in a t-shirt launcher and just shoot it (laughs) off. So we see Rally and Minnie pull into an apartment building and, you know, it's sort of got a, a projects look to it. It's sort you know, it's like a, a Chicago inner city kind of look. Um, we find out that this 
apartment that we were told was uh, the guy's daughter is a, you know, just a large man instead who doesn't know who they are. And they're, he is clearly not that man's young child daughter. <laughs> so, yeah, it's sort of kind of, you get like a slapsticky reaction from, from May and uh, from Rally here. Since the the house that they were told to go to kind of doesn't lead them anywhere, they decide to go and consult their friend Becky, who is sort of like their their computer guru, to figure out like what's maybe going wrong. And she finds out that the Rolex the Rolex is fake. And since you know the address was fake and the Rolex is fake, it's pretty clear that something is up. Um, while they're kind of trying to get through the night and try to figure things out. Rally and May are sort of, in a very 90s way, they're kind of fighting over a Diet Pepsi. <laughs> and we find out that there, uh, that the apartment that they're in has been bugged. And, you know, like in any sort of crime movie where somebody's being bugged, there's a big non-marked white van outside of their house that they find out is, you know, being run by the ATF. And so we cut to the inside of the ATF and Bill's listening in and we find out that Becky has come outside to kind of offer them a pizza and to let them know like, hey, we know you're listening to us. And so Bill is sort of feeling kind of cheeky. He gets yelled at from inside of the house by Rally, who's, you know, found the the listening device. And as they pretty much tell them like to hey hit the bricks get the hell out of here you can't just you know you can't just record private citizens without a you know a warrant 9/11 hasn't happened yet uh you know they they leave and so what we find out also is that May was also outside with them and she planted a bomb on the inside of their truck uh truck explode or truck explodes in a funny way and we find out that they are also being watched by Radinov from a farther away distance. And it's sort of kind of, it's funny, but it lets you know that like there are multiple layers to this. Yeah. Everyone's got some form of tabs on everyone else. Everyone's presented as very competent throughout this, which is, I appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, you know, these are all very, very, smart characters even if the you know even if they are being silly and blowing each other up with plastic explosives and stuff yeah it makes it makes every little like one-upping of each other every little victory kind of actually feel earned because nobody's like yeah every, every everybody's like on top of their game yeah exactly so back at the gunsmith's cat store they're still trying to figure out the meaning of the wrong address and the fake rolex um they kind of remember back to when they were actually talking to Washington and they see that he's like, you know, logged into a computer network, which, you know, I guess like check someone's browsing history. Um, That's such a nineties statement. (laughs) Right. Yeah. He's, he's logged into the network. We have to get into the mainframe. So they check the address on the note and the number of the Rolex and they kind of deduce that it's a, a password and a, and a, address and they're taking to hotbutts.net where i guess you know they that's where the information was hidden i mean what 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 teenager didn't 
type that into Yahoo, you know. Oh yeah, Netscape Navigator. I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to sex.com. I, I want some hot butts. Dude, okay. Uh we can cut this out later if not. Uh but I have to go on a tangent for a little bit. In maybe like 1999, I was uh 12 years old and I was at one of my friend's houses and he was he was older than me. He was like 16 or 17. He was like a family friend. And I was left alone in their house for a little bit because people were running out. And I was like, man, I want to find porn because I'm a young 12-year-old <laughs> boy. And so, you know, back in the day when we had internet, like internet services, uh, instead of just browsers, they, you could put on like parental controls where kids couldn't search certain things. And I was on his computer, his family computer on the internet and I was looking for porn, but I was getting like blocked by their, their porn filter. And one of the things I typed in and I never told anybody about in the house is like, I was looking, I was like essentially looking for porn for kids. (laughs) And so I, I dude, Yeah. So on his, on his, uh, on his browser on like Microsoft network, I typed in like under 18 porn. (laughs) No, because I was like, I want. I'm under 18. And I want porn. So like, give me porn. No. And so I typed in under 18 porn, and I and for some reason I don't know what popped up. I don't think anything popped up, but I just like I couldn't find what I wanted, and so I just quietly turned the computer off and never said anything about it. <laughs> but I, I wonder to this day if there was like somebody knocking on their door afterwards, like, hey, oh my god, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. You got a call from Bill uh, Gates. <laughs> yeah, and Al Gore. <laughs> but yeah, so Becky does the 90s hacker thing. Uh, turns out the real data is like hidden behind the porn site. And it's pretty much like a... It's like a... Pretty much the financial data between all these guns that are being brought in illegally into Chicago. So yeah, once they now that they've got the ledger for this, they can kind of start like working back to see what's really going on. Um, little do we know that, you know, Bill at the ATF is still, uh, pretty much tracking all their stuff. So even though they've found this out, like Bill is able to just print out the ledger himself and, you know, he's doing like a late night cause there's nobody else in the office except for the head of the ATF, which we saw earlier with the politician and he had uh, already thrown Bill off of the case. And so he's wondering why Bill's there. Bill says, he makes up a quick excuse that he's just like, oh, I'm lazy and I'm finally catching up on paperwork. Ha ha ha. And, uh, you know, he's kind of left to his own devices at that point. They show up to one of the addresses, which is somewhere in Michigan. And as Riley's kind of investigating it, they sneak into a warehouse to maybe like figure out like what, if they actually have the guns there or what were what's in the boxes here. And they are kind of, happened upon by some thugs who are guarding the area and because we just as we mentioned earlier everybody in this anime is at the top of their game even though they got the jump on rally and Minnie, as they turn around they're wearing goggles for uh for welding and they've got like a flashbang so even though you think that you've got the drop on on rally rally's got the drop on you Always one step ahead. Always one step ahead, for sure. Or two or three. Um, This kind of results in a firefight. Rally is showing off how good she is at shooting. 
you kind of see it here that Rally isn't really quick to like just straight up murder people. She'll kind of like you know go for a hand or something. Um, but we also see that Radinov is there, and she kind of gets the drop on Rally for real. But Bill also gets the jump on on Radinov. So it's it's like you know like it's it's almost like a reflection of the last scene. It's like everybody's watching everybody. Everybody gets the jump on everybody else. Um, so Radinov runs away, but she starts to she goes to steal Millie essentially, and so instead of killing her, she kind of takes her hostage, and since you know that's rally's best friend they are now in hot pursuit of radinov and you know rally is not too happy about it and so going from there we we enter this delightful car chase scene which um yeah like it's we're gonna be we're gonna be summarizing this but it's it's just such a visual treat that you you have to see it you really do have to see it to experience it versus just listening to us but we're gonna try our 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 damn best um yeah you you could definitely tell that the money was spent on on this portion of the film so may is in uh in radinov's uh passenger seat all tied up and while she's driving she kind of just like hops over like nudges slash hops over to onto her and uh rally who's in pursuit behind her takes it as a signal to start that technique that like tactical formation they were talking about earlier yeah that's um, the what she was reaching for with the cassette tape right at the very beginning yes yeah i don't and know why you'd practice something as weird and specific as this but all right but hey, it's anime <laughs> in case this one specific thing happens in the future you gotta you gotta be uh prepared right and so um yeah, so just they're 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 driving through this uh, you know the city that they're in, and they they eventually get onto the freeway, and it's um, just this really um, intense part where they they hop on the freeway and they're just speeding through like regular commuter traffic, um, you know, like eighteen wheelers and people heading to work in the morning. Like it's it's they they really capture the chaos of this crazy chase happening just during a, a regular morning commute. Um, yeah. Be- just beautifully animated. Um, really like a lot of like chaos happening while there's just like mundane, regular driving going on. Um, Radinov kind of shoots out the, the tires on this 18 uh, wheeler and winds up making it block most of the lanes behind her and even like manages to to shoot out during this manages to shoot out Rally's um, windshield. Um, yeah, and Rally just like narrowly avoids. I mean, just everything in general, but that, but even like hitting that eighteen wheeler. Um, and after a little bit more of uh, of just a chase and of catching up with Radinov, Rally manages to line up a shot, and she even kind of like gloats a little uh, of how mm-hmm. Radinov made this easier for her with the with the windshield being out and she shoots the hand she shoots the the gun out of Radinov's hand and Radinov starts to panic it's it's kind of that like oh god I'm so, I'm, so, I'm hyper competent and something bad happened to me like this I'm not used to this like how do I process this um plus just being shot in general 
and um, yeah. <laughs> and so so she, so she's she's a little like freaked out but then she sees on the dash just like a pool of blood and her earring and the camera pans over to her earlobe that's been shot off she just has no earlobe and that really is what makes her lose it pretty much um and so she tries to um she tries to kill may in the passenger seat and may just like narrowly dodges and she shows that she actually planted a small explosive in the in the rear windshield and uh and she kind of like blows it up and dives out and lands yeah. perfectly on the hood of uh of rally shelby um to which becky like instantly just like berates her for doing something so insane but you know mm-hmm. um and her face again like many may's faces in these moments in, in this episode are, are are great you know from the the moment in like the awkward moment in the projects and then right yeah landing in this uh a- a- after this crazy explosion landing on the in the car like her her reactions are priceless um and like the animation for this like the the animation for this entire sequence is like the frame rate is really high. The smoke looks like excellent, like with all the explosions going off and the, the cars driving through smoke. It's, it is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So something that I noted, like nothing in this show ever looks off model. Like you see this a lot in animation mm, where there's yeah. like crazy, crazy motion or like, especially in crowd scenes where there's just a ton of people in the background and even the characters that are main characters may end up just being slightly off model. Like they don't quite look right. It, it You'd be hard pressed to find a moment in this, um, in this episode where somebody looks, somebody or something looks off. Like it doesn't matter what angle they're being shot at or whether it's an ensemble scene or, you know, yeah. just a couple of individuals. I, I can't, I can't understate how gorgeous everything is in this. Um, I, without even the modifier of for the era, like it just, it's gorgeous. Yeah, I, I think that yes, that that's already like a that's a tribute to the the production team for this. But I also think it's just that uh, the art style that Sonoda uses, it's like it's simple and it's cute, but it's it still looks like pseudo serious or like the style itself. I think just lends itself really well to animation because it's not super detailed, but like the shapes of characters really pop. Yeah, it, it reminds me, in, just in terms of like practicality and uh, and like effectiveness, like it reminds me a lot of the um, the DC animated universe stuff from like the '90s and 2000s, where it's mm-hmm. it's simple, which means it looks awesome in motion, and it's almost impossible to anything to get like warped or drawn wrong or or anything like that. Yeah, I could see and, that. Uh, it's just it's just really effective and good for action, and that it's definitely like a version of that going on with this. Mm-hmm. And so from uh, from there, they uh, they kind of like they, they narrowly avoid Radunov's car like one last time as, as she's trying to trying to ram them. And she just kind of uh, careens through traffic and she falls. She well, she drives up a elevated drawbridge and doesn't manage to, to break in time. And so her car kind of like explodes in midair and falls into the water. Mm-hmm. And from there, May and Rahelly just, you know, they're, they're elated. So they, they kind of high five and celebrate that, that little victory. But um, Rally says that they, they still have a lot of work left to do on this case of, 
of you know who's moving the the guns in Chicago, and from there we just get a little uh, to be continued scene in uh, for episode three. Yeah, what happens next in the the south side of Chicago? What's it gonna be? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, so Jorge, that's the episode. What did, what did you think about this this OVA? I I loved it. I don't unlike some of the previous things we've reviewed, I had the most neutral level of like attachment to this so far. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I loved it. I thought it was gorgeously animated. Um, again, like nothing, nothing ever looked off or, or wrong. And I just really, really appreciate that. It made me love cars. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just, everything looked the so gratuitous good. shots of cars for sure. <laughs> the detail. I mean, the fact that you could see the, you know that she has Goodyear tires. You know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that was great. A lot of a lot of personality in a in a small package for like a, a relatively short OVA episode. It just um, it was respectful of like your time and attention span. It didn't try to try to saddle like any extra themes or you know like yeah. subplots or anything. It was um, the and when they do, great. it's like it's subtle. They, yeah, the subplots are are subtle that they allude to, and it like the pacing is like really good. There's never really any time to get bored with the show. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I mean we, we we're living right now in an era where everything has to set up like a whole world around it, and mm-hmm. for better or worse, that's that's gotten almost a little overdone, and I'm 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 becoming less of a fan of that. And uh, it was yeah. it was really refreshing to just have something so uh, self-contained, but that still felt realized. Like there, there's more there's more showing than telling, and I really appreciate that. Yeah, when we were when we were watching this, I I had I watched this all on YouTube, and um, so if you guys want, like it's all three episodes of the OVA are up on YouTube. It's and it's the the dub, but just I I didn't even realize that they were all like thirty minute episodes. Because like they the time was used so efficiently, and you're not bogged down by, you know, tons of world building. It's just quick, digestible pieces of fun action. Yeah, they let they let the world building happen in the action. What what mm-hmm. little world building is necessary? It's yeah. So did so I think I mean I already know your answer. Uh, did this hold up? And would you recommend this to a friend? Uh, uh, absolutely yes yes to both um i i just i had fun it was it was refreshing to just kind of have like a smile on my face the whole time and not you know even even looking at it with a critical eye not really having much uh negative to say honestly yeah for sure no no i i know what you mean i think also because gunsmith cats it in the anime in anime circles like people know gunsmith cats but i also feel like People today, like maybe like younger people who are anime fans, might not have ever heard of it. Like, because it just, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it's not Naruto, it's not One Piece, it hasn't been on Adult Swim a bunch of times. Like, it's just a quiet little OVA from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, it's, it kind of, um, it didn't overstay its welcome, it hasn't been overexposed, it's just, it just kind of exists and, you know, apparently has that sequel and, that's you know that's that's enough and yeah no it's um it definitely it, it works for me it was a it was it was it was really nice for it to be that good in 2020 yeah yeah i definitely think it's like it's a great thing to recommend to a, a friend who is maybe getting into anime still or maybe wants to watch more older anime because it's not 
like a huge time suck that they're gonna have to put you know two weeks aside to catch up on all this like you can get it done in an hour and a half and you know and then boom you've, you've watched all of gunsmith cats and and you don't have to do that thing where you're like okay dude when you watch the first 15 episodes then you can understand the next 15 and then yeah. the next 30 are really good with that context as a as a jojo fan that <laughs> is hitting way too close to home for me so please Ouch. don't do that <laughs> Phantom Blood is important. You need to watch Phantom Blood. Uh, you just need to understand. Yeah. Um, so do, do you do any kind of like research into the legacy of this? Or do you know if there's anything that kind of has touched on this or, you know, stems from this anime at all? Or other, other it does than feel that, like it doesn't, you know? Yeah, it, it kind of uh, it kind of existed in its own, to, to, you know, to me and from what I, I was able to piece together, like it, it kind of just existed in its own. It had that sequel that, um, yeah. that you mentioned earlier. Um, I, to me, and I, I, I couldn't, you know, maybe, maybe I just wasn't connecting the right dots, um, in researching it or not, but I mean, I, I do feel like there is a, a little bit of a thread between this to uh, cowboy bebop yeah. and, uh, I don't know if maybe someone out there has like a, a, an untranslated interview or, uh, something along those lines that, that can prove that hypothesis. But I mean, not, not just from the, the, like the jazzy intro sequence and all that, but, um, just kind of that like reckless, like chaotic energy that this, this yeah. had. Of, yeah. It's uh, just like reckless fun. Like it's sort of action, but it's lighthearted in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they're, they're bounty hunters, you know, in both, yeah, in both shows right. and very, um, Western feeling anime and like authentically Western feeling, mm-hmm. which, which is another thing I did. I did want to touch on. It was really, uh, it was really fun and refreshing that this uh, this took place in a really realistic version of America and not not like a weird hyper parody. Everyone's a cowboy sort of thing. Like everyone, I mean... everyone kind of everyone kind of is a cowboy in this, but in a really more of a like subtle sort of way, like in a elevated version of reality versus just like a cracked out Western, you know, football playing cowboy, meat eating, <laughs> Gundam Maxter. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, and and it, like, look, the ATF presence in, you know, US, in the U.S. like in the '90s was really big because I mean, you had the war on drugs. Like, so they're they're accurate to having a crime story kind of focus and revolve around the ATF. Like, it's even more so than you'd think. Like, it's pretty accurate. Yeah, I guess I guess that's true. I hadn't I hadn't um I hadn't really connected that, but no, you're right. It's not you don't hear a lot about them in the news nowadays but mm-hmm. no you're right they were they were more of a of a presence in the in the news back then yeah they're, they're involved in like a lot of yeah a lot of unexpected uh news events and like busts and stuff i feel like you're right yeah um so did you see anything about the ratings of this like or the the actual like reception of this by critics and fans uh just it it, it seems to be one of those like universally um, respected ones um, yeah. from from what I saw in like some of the um, contemporary reviews and 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 such like Anne America and uh, Tokyo Pop and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's I yeah I couldn't find anything either in terms of like uh, maybe ratings in Japan or the U.S. But you're right, like it is sort of like the the reception of it on IMDb and places like that. It's it's pretty high up there. It's pretty like solid. So. You know, it's the the people that have seen Gunsmith Cats. There's not a lot of hate for it from anybody. 
All right, Jorge, so we've covered the episode. All that's left is for us to give it that Aging Otaku's body pillow rating. Uh, out of five... Ooh, I don't want to say Millie Mae, that's too weird. Uh, out of five Rally Vincent body pillows, <laughs> uh, how many uh, do you give this episode of Gunsmith Cats? You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and give it um, four and a half. I, wow. I think, I think this was just... Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to get too punny, but I think it just fired on all on all cylinders, and I think this particular chapter just excelled at at everything it was trying to do. So, four and a half. Four and a half. That might be. I think that's your highest rating. I think so too. You gave you you gave it higher than Bebop. I I think I think it's a better uh, example of like what it is. You know, I I would say I have better Bebop episodes in mind, but uh-huh. yeah, for for episode to episode, I. I honestly think this this uh, achieved more of what it was trying to achieve. That's a bold claim. Okay. <laughs> um, I think I'm giving it three and a half, which is not bad. It's not bad at all. I, I enjoyed this a lot. It was very fun. Um, I'm giving it three and a half just on the fact that, like, because it's a three-part OVA series, I feel like two... It's, it doesn't really get a lot of stuff covered, but... It's still a very good-looking anime. The you know it's it's very simple, and that's not a bad thing. But I feel like I I just feel like, in the grand scheme of, anime, like it's a three and a half. It's it's better than average. So you can you can flame me for that if you want, but <laughs> I don't know. Um, please 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 at him. Yeah, please at me. Um, and if you want to at me, you can find me at Aging Otaku's on Instagram. And you can find us at Aging Otaku's on Twitter. If you give us a five-star review on iTunes, uh, please be sure to give us a recommendation for an anime you'd like us to cover in the future. We will consider any five-star review for future episodes. But also, you know, just like drop us a line on either of the social medias to let us know what you think about the show, things that you'd like, things that you don't like. And, you know, we'll just try to refine the show as best as we can to kind of make it uh, a better production for you. Um, if you want to find me personally on Twitter, I am at chambray underscore poppy. That's chambray, C-H-A-M-B-R-A-Y underscore poppy, P-A-P-I, like Big Poppy Ortiz. And uh, Jorge, <laughs> where can they find you? So I'm at Jorge, J-O-R-G-E, Labrador, like Labrador Retriever. And um, yeah, just just uh, let me know, you know, wh- how you're doing, what you're watching. And, um, you know, you can expect me to post weird puns that I think of in the middle of the day and probably shouldn't be shared with the public at large, but I still do anyway. You've had some good tweets lately. I'm just letting you know. You've had a... You're going to be playing through uh, Final Fantasy, what, 15? I've, I've, so I've, I've played or through seven. Actually, You're playing through seven. Sorry. I just picked up uh seven, uh, the remake of, uh, of seven, um, this week. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably have some, some takes for sure, but I'm loving it so far. So who's best girl. Oh, Tifa. Come on. Okay. Come thank on. you. Okay. You're cool with me. <laughs> actually, you know, though, to be fair, I've been, I haven't played seven remake, but I've watched a lot of people stream it. I think best girl, I mean, obviously, clearly, best girl is Tifa. But Jesse makes a really strong case. Je- Jesse makes a good vice best girl, I would I would say. Like, she is horny on main, and it's <laughs> and she is not, like, she's not ashamed of it. 
No, she, I, I was, I was surprised. I mean, I, I was a Nintendo 64 kid. So m- most of my final fantasy seven was like playing it at a friend's house or like mm-hmm. watching a friend play it and, um, and then just absorbing it through the internet. And, um, I was really surprised at how, uh, how the side characters are, are a lot more realized. So yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure, I'll be sure to post a bit about my, uh, my experience as, uh, as I go. Yeah. And you know what, with, uh, the future episodes coming in, we'll, we'll do a little check-ins on you. Cause I just started playing today, uh, Zelda breath of the wild Great because I, yeah, I'd never gave it any time. I didn't give it a fair chance. Like when it first came out, like in 2017 and, there's a new game out called uh, Genshin Impact, which is sort of like a a PC gachapon version of Breath of the Wild, and so everyone I know is playing that, except my like my diehard Nintendo friends who are just like this is a this is a terrible game. It's not better <laughs> than Breath of the Wild. You need to play Breath of the Wild. Uh, so I've I've started playing that. So I'll check in and let you guys know how I how I'm taking Breath of the Wild as well. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. Cool, cool. It's a, it's a fun game. All right, guys. Well, uh, that's another episode of Aging Otakus. Uh, tune in next week. We will be covering uh, a currently unknown anime. I <laughs> will let you know on Twitter what it is. Uh, until then, take it easy. Bye.